What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Randy King Live podcast, episode nine. This week, we have Paul Hunter, and we're debating a really cool topic. So if this is your first time coming to the show, there is some explanation we have to have about this show because the format of this show is different than almost every other podcast out there. So the purpose of the Randy King Live podcast is a debate based podcast where we will be discussing ideas revolving around self-defense and violence in order to create better opinion and even a little bit of discourse in those fields. So I have found in my years of doing self-defense training, traveling literally around the world, humble brag, uh, that people who are smart either tend to agree with each other so no ground gets made or they tend to not talk to each other. So the point of this is to bring people together on certain topics in the self-defense field. How the show works. There will be a topic. Uh, myself and my guests have already decided ahead of time which side of the topic we're going to be on, pro or con. We will announce that in a second, but I want you to understand the format. So one person is pro, one person is con. I am pigeonholing my guest into staying on their topic, which means even if they believe something intrinsically different, they have to argue the point or debate the point of the topic. That's how a debate works. Inside of that, there are 15 logic fallacies that I have included in the email or the text that I sent to my guest. If you hit one of these logic fallacies in the conversation, we're going to take a page out of Roy Miller's ConCom book. You're going to have to take a deep breath. You're going to have to apologize. Sorry, I hit a logic fallacy. You then have to compliment your uh, your guest. So, Paul, sorry, I did a straw man there. I really like your black rifle mug. I think it's pretty sweet. Then I'm going to secede my point of the conversation, and they then get to talk. If they're caught in one of these fallacies, that's what's going to happen. But listeners, you also get to pay attention. If you catch us in one of the fallacies that we don't catch and you send me a small clip on where it existed and what fallacy it was, I will pay for my crime and push-ups. So if you send me a video saying, hey, Randy, you and Paul were debating this topic. You straw man the hell out of it and you missed it here, here, and here. I will pay for push-ups. And how it works is whatever minute of the show you catch me in, I will do that many push-ups and those push-ups stack. So if I use the same straw man all the way through, I'll do up to 200 push-ups. It doesn't matter. So uh, then I'll also give you a shout-out to you and your club or anything that you want me to give a shout-out to. So listeners, pay attention. This is how the show works. We're going to go over the topic really quickly right now. Actually, first, let's introduce our guest, Paul why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, good morning. Well, my name is Paul Hunter, originally from uh, the United Kingdom. I've uh, been in law enforcement now for 30 years, 18 of them in the UK, and one in Kosovo, Eastern Europe, working for the United Nations, and then the rest of my time, 12 and a half years here in Canada. I've been teaching self-defense uh, for about 29 years now to law enforcement. Awesome. And you uh, obviously you've picked up the Canadian accent, so that that's good. It's <laughs> <laughs> easier to understand me. <laughs> I love your accent; I think it's great. <laughs> All right, Paul. So, uh, Paul, what uh, you you do a lot of training um, with a certain group. So, what group are you with primarily? Uh, the the prim primary group is Marshall Blade Concepts, uh, which was devised and put together by Michael Janich. Um, Mike served a lot of years abroad, uh, working for the United States intelligence community uh, but his he had a passion for martial arts and especially Filipino martial arts 
And what he did over the years was actually look at the Filipino martial arts and try to adapt it to the Western society, where we cannot kill your neighbor over a dispute. We have to use legal, ethical, and moral grounds in any kind of self-defense. And judging by your face there, I know which avenue you're going to be going down uh, with this argument. Yeah, I, I've, I've been told already that I should never play poker because when I'm like, yeah, ha, ha. Uh-huh. Um, Awesome. So why I wanted you to bring that up is uh, NBC is a fantastic organization, Marshall Blake Concepts. A ton of people are in it. We need to point out again, we are debating a topic. We are not debating personal or ethical views on this. But that brings us to what our topic is. And the topic today is, are knives good self-defense tools or should be, should knives be used for self-defense? Paul, what side of the debate are you taking? I'll be taking the side that I believe that knives can be used for self-defense purposes. Awesome. So he's taken pro, which as you know, if you've heard the show, or again, if it's your first time, I always take the devil's advocate side. I'm going to take con. One more time, not personal beliefs. We're just working on a debate. So how this works now is the guest, because he is on the show, gets to do a opening statement. I'm going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Paul, whenever you are ready, you may start with your opening statement on why you believe knives are good for self-defense. I believe that knives are good for self-defense because, uh, depending on the circumstances um, and the situations you see yourself in, they can be used to actually stop an attack, minimize an attack, or get you out of a situation. Oh, awesome. Short to the point. I love it. Okay, the short so- to the better. You can't catch me on anything. Oh, yes, I can. Uh, So (laughs) I was saying to Paul uh, before the show, you guys weren't hearing, but obviously I have a little bit of home field advantage. This is episode like 10 for me. So I definitely have had some practice. So uh, counter argument. So I'm on the con side of this because um, and I do uh, I'm arguing from the point of no emotional attachment. But do I believe that knives are useful for self-defense? I do not. And when I am qualifying the term self-defense of the legal term of self-defense, not the self-defense term self-protection that a lot of people throw around in the industry. So I'm going to define my terms very quickly here. Self-protection is using something to protect yourself. Self-defense is the whole legal aspect of it. So when it comes to that, I think there's a lot of flaws in using a primarily lethal tool in a self-defense situation, especially if you're talking about a self-defense case. And I understand your point of view, and uh, I've actually been in a situation where people have uh, produced knives on me through my line of work in law enforcement. And the first thing I remember is um, I'm behind the curve. Mm-hmm. They have a weapon. Uh, as a cop in the UK, traditionally they don't carry firearms, so it's a baton or OC. Now, as you know from your experience, a knife can counter any OC spray with a determined attacker, and a baton, unless you stay at medial. Uh, medium range or large amount of long range, the knife you can get in there really quickly and do a lot of damage. And I believe that if you even the playing field with your own knife, my caveat is you have to be trained in the ability to use that knife. Sure. Not just be uh, somebody off the street that puts a knife in the pocket, has no idea how to even get it out in an emergency situation, how to open a folding tactical knife, uh, or even how to take out a fixed blade from underneath the jacket or um, a shirt. Sure. 
So you're you're treading into red herring territory, but I'm going to pause the clock here real quick. Uh, if you do want to hear more on that exact topic that Paul is talking about, I did a podcast. It'll be four episodes back with Dax Williams on should untrained people carry weapons. Anyways, continuing on the topic of is the knife used for self-defense? Go. <laughs> I believe so. Uh, yeah. Especially, if, again, you've already um, alluded to Dax Williams and his insight. Um, you have to know how the human body works. Yes. Unfortunately, according to Hollywood, if you actually use a knife to stab somebody, the person the flames fall down and they're dead. Mm -hmm. The reality is somebody can actually still fight with a blade or weapon for up to almost two minutes, even with the carotid artery being severed. So right. you have to know how to stop an attack, especially sure. with the blade. Um, so you're looking at muscle mass areas, tendons, that kind of stuff. You're not looking at carotid arteries. You're not looking at femoral arteries. You're looking at something that will stop the attack and make them drop the weapon. Cool. So counterpoint. Uh, I agree with all of that. But the issue is, especially when it comes to a self-defense situation, is the people that are teaching this stuff tend to be people that have to use this at a high level. When it comes to civilians and self-defense, which is primarily which most people are marketing to because civilians have the money to do this tactical stuff, right, uh, is you cannot control the collateral damage after you've used the knife. And this is where the biggest issue, I think, comes in. So, example, threat starts. And if you look at self-defense law, it's used the minimal amount of force necessary. So mm -hmm. let's say let's say use the minimal amount of force. I have a pen in my hand, which is now going to be a knife for some reason. So I slash at a tendon. Great. I do end the attack. But I now need auxiliary training and self-defense to stop the collateral damage of that happening. So yes, it might have been a self-defense start, but if I nicked an artery and the person starts bleeding out, this is not an optimal tool for self-defense because I cannot control what happens after I use my self-defense tool. The whole aspect of self-defense is the totality of circumstances. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to use a knife of self-defense, I applaud your opinion there with regards to uh, the aftermath, part of the training should be, if you're going to carry a knife for self-defense self purposes, is deal with the aftermath. Mm -hmm. If necessary, give first aid. Mm -hmm. Call 911. Identify the fact of who you are, the fact you've just been attacked with a weapon, and you've actually defended yourself. The bad guys do not call 911. So if you're willing to carry a knife for self-defense purposes, you actually have to look into all those other aspects. You can't just cut somebody's tendon and run. Mm -hmm. You have to be there to actually be able to deal with the aftermath. Agreed. So now you're saying that in order to use a knife for self-defense, you need a ton of auxiliary training in order to do that, which right there succeeds my point that it's not a great tool for self-defense because you know and I know that people who take training in one weapon systems don't always do the extra training they need in the other systems in order to make that work. And, and I agree. And that's why... My point was a knife is a potential self-defense tool, mm -hmm. but you have to look at the whole aspect. If you're willing to carry it, it's like a firearm. If you're going to carry a firearm, there's no point in just doing a CCW, concealed carry weapons course, and learn how to shoot paper targets. It's the whole aftermath, the whole uh, triage, the whole uh, using a tourniquet, the whole first aid, the whole articulation and understanding that even though you've used a knife or any other weapon as self-defense tool, you may still go to court. You may still have to give evidence. You may still be charged. Yeah. But 
you still defended yourself in this situation. I'm not going to go into the better be uh, judged by 12 than carried by six because I don't agree with that anymore. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Being in the legal system in two countries for 30 years, I never want to be in the position where I'm actually in court uh, relying on a defense lawyer to justify my self-defense. Hmm. But in my head, I know that if somebody attacks me with a knife, I use a knife to defend myself, I can articulate the self-defense portion of using a blade to defend myself. So I'm glad you likened a knife to a gun, because that leads me to my next point, where, <laughs> and this was you, you did this. <laughs> uh, again, so looking at aftermath, because this is where most of this comes through. The self-protection aspect, I think it, it's hard to argue that a knife isn't an effective weapon and you keep using the word tool and i understand why you're doing it but in the eyes of the law a knife is seen as lethal force so already you're looking at a different approach to using that tool when it comes down to it yes a knife is more of a tool than a firearm because a firearm only has one purpose but the purpose of a of a knife it is a weapon it is not a tool is great. I understand it can be used as a tool. Yeah, you can use it as a screwdriver and whatever, open letters, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But the primary design of the implement is a weapon, is to cause damage to another person, usually grievous. So if you're going for a self-defense claim and use a knife, odds are you're not landing on self-defense. You're landing on grievous bodily harm, slash manslaughter, slash whatever. I agree with what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. However, again, training comes into it. Sure. This is a, a, a training knife here. Okay. Um, a a Spyderco Yochimbo 2 training knife. Oh, yeah. yeah brand. use... Branding. Branding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I can actually use this in closed mode. So mm -hmm. I'm still using a knife as a self-defense weapon, but I can use this to go for the muscle mass areas, for the radial and median nerves, that kind of stuff, side of the head. Yep. It's still a knife. Sure. But I'm changing I... the purpose, but I'm still using it for self-defense. I can use scissors to cut my lawn, Paul. Doesn't mean it's an effective use of the tool, right? <laughs> right, it would take forever, right? And again, you could use any other type of mass-affecting object other than a knife to do the exact same things a knife is doing. So repurposing a lethal tool to non-lethal purposes does not change the design of the lethal tool. That's true. Um, but is a knife designed, or all knives designed, to, as, as weapons? No. That one is. Is it though? Yeah, 100% it is. <laughs> it's sold by a martial arts group to martial artists for the use. 100% it is. Well, what if I carried this? If you carried what? This. Training that, knife. The, oh, the training knife, you mean? Yes. Sure. Okay, I see. So, so the, in final thoughts, remind me that I have a story that proves your point, but I will not prove it now, sir. But keep going. But keep oh, going. Please. please. <laughs> um, but yes, not all knives, the kitchen knives. And I know you've uh, I've read your blog and you and I have the same opinion of that case that happened in Winnipeg mm. where somebody was attacked in the basement and basically I deliberately didn't argue because a lot of people don't understand how the, the legal system is and how the fine line between self-defense and assault GBH happens. Now, this case, I believe everybody that's listening to this will have heard you talk about it. I think it was Winnipeg or Man it was Manitoba. Guy was attacked in his basement, uh, fight ensued, went outside, left the, the, the premises, went onto the deck, and then the victim then stabbed the attacker 13 times and then kicked him. Mm -hmm. Now, the whole portion of self-defense in Canada 
if the person is running away and leaving the scene and you run after him, just no longer self-defense. But imagine that same scenario had continued in the basement and the victim had managed to get the knife off the attacker. Again, he has a knife. The attacker no longer has a knife. That's no longer Mm self-defense. If they both had knives and the victim actually cut the tendon, the knife dropped, then technically, even in Canada, taking away the court and the the jury, that could be self-defense. Interesting. So I think I hear what you're saying, and I'm enjoying this conversation. This is this is why I wanted you on the show. I'm going to disagree because that's the point of the show. Um, I disagree in this situation that you're there's so the the point of this debate is is a knife a good self defense tool? And you're telling me it is if 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 so if they have this extra training if they take this into account so i'm going to say it's not a good self defense tool because there's other tools that can do the same stuff where you don't have to worry about the collateral damage of the person bleeding out where you don't have to worry about the the tendon being you don't have to call ems although you always should call ems everybody out there if you use any self defense situation let's do a caveat there but i think it's like it's like when somebody describes a book series to me, they're like, you should read this book series. There's 13 books. The first three books suck, but after that, it's awesome. That's your, that's what it sounds like your knife defense here is. I have to go through three shitty books before this is even relevant. Like, I don't want that to happen. If I want a self-defense tool, I'm usually doing it to outsource my protection. And the auxiliary training might take, might be too time sensitive. It might be too big of a time cost for me to use this effectively. Okay, then I'll come to that, Randy, with, Mm-hmm. Name any self-defense tool that you can use without any training. You any any one of the mass-based ones you can use without any training. It's not hard to club people. Give my nephew a, a give my five-year-old nephew a stick. He'll use it as a sword. It's a human nature is to smash. So anything that would work in with the body's natural weapon. So um, let's say something with a ring around it. Oh, that'd be illegal uh, in Canada. Let's say something mass-based. Uh, I would say coupon, roll a penny, something like that. Something where it just accentuates natural weapons doesn't create false di- or new distance with a human being because that requires training and i agree uh but i've actually as i said i've actually taught law enforcement for 30 years mm-hmm. and i'll give the baton as an example yeah give somebody a baton and tell them to hit the bag and there's no power there's no generation and they actually exacerbate the situation sure and my belief is with the knife as a self-defense tool if you're going to carry a knife, again, I'm going to move those goalposts from Canada to, say, Eastern Europe or the Philippines. Sure, sure. You're going to carry a knife for self-defense. If you're going to carry a firearm, you have to train them. If you're mm-hmm. going to carry a coupon or, like, a flashlight, mm-hmm. you Great have to train. Great self Fantastic, especially with the strobe. doesn't doesn't work. Uh, but I know light's been disproved. Um, but there's no point in going to a... Um, uh, general store or self-defense store or going online and buying all the crap you can get from eBay and deciding I'm not carrying this for self-defense. If you're doing that, you're setting yourself up for failure. The topic is not other self-defense tools, Paul. The topic is the knife. <laughs> I'm trying to say <laughs> that, that's, that's the thing. That's one of the, I don't know which fallacy it is. So I haven't called you on it yet, but it's one of them for sure. You're I'll definitely... call myself on it because I think I'm going to get into the circular one. Yeah, I think you are a little bit getting or so. Take I apologize. Yep. And I appreciate your point of view, and I will get back on topic. Sure, awesome. All right, so I think, uh, again, 
let's let's reframe this this conversation a little bit just to get into the point of because again we're talking a lot about the auxiliary of the tool and all the reasons how you can force this item to be good you have a person comes to you paul or any self-defense instructor they hire you hi i'm going to this place i want to carry a weapon i have five hours to train in it would you be giving them a knife no go on because a which part of the world are you going into what's the law right. surrounding the kind of nice uh, in chicago i think you can't have anything over two and a half inches. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't carry a knife at all for any reason. Even as, even as a cop, I couldn't carry a knife. What? Even, yep, couldn't carry a knife even to cut seat belts. Was not allowed to carry a knife. Wow. Uh, okay. For that purpose, if somebody came to me in those circumstances, I would not recommend a knife for self-defense. I would recommend a tactical pen. Sorry, a pen, not a tactical pen. Yeah. There's no such thing as a tactical pen because it doesn't <laughs> shoot guns and. <laughs> it, it works in a group and pies into doorways. Go, Pen, go! <laughs> yeah. Or a flashlight, like the, the one I have here. That's what I would recommend. I'd also recommend them going to somebody like yourself uh, and training empty hand stuff and de-escalation and, and situational awareness because in most countries, if you have to use, well, in most circumstances, if you have to use self-defense, it's already too late. Yep. You weren't aware of your surroundings. You didn't pick up on those uh, non uh, NVCs, non-verbal cues. You weren't tactically aware, and you're already behind the curve. And the first thing you should do is run. Agreed. The if somebody was to say to me, "Is a knife a good self-defense weapon?" Yes. I won't go back into caveats, but you take a knife, and somebody wants to attack you, and you just take this out and threaten them with it. You have that psychological intimidation. That is an excellent point, using it as a deterrent, like this might happen to you. Okay, keep going. I like that. Uh, and basically, uh, it's the whole prayer for prey thing. I've read uh, Rory Miller's Concom, and I've read other people's uh, thesis on the, the prayer to pray thing. And a lot of the stuff I teach is actually changing that prayer to pray mentality. You were obviously picked as a target for somebody. This come from the prison system or this led a life of crime for whatever reasons. Mark Freeborn's book on the violence of mind is an awesome example of how he ended up with a violent background. And he actually stated that we are we as normal civilians are not prepared for uh, having to defend ourselves because the predator is way more prepared than we are. However, if somebody puts you in a corner, you can't run away and all this other stuff, you take out a knife and you look as if you actually know what you're doing, they then have to decide the cost-benefit analysis of is it worth continue with this or am I going to end up more injured and then I can't attack somebody else and rob somebody else. Sure. That the, part yeah. would take five minutes to teach. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't argue the context of that. That makes a lot of sense. And that's everything that, that lines up with everything that I teach, which is right. Risk reward, right. Cost benefit analysis, right. Yeah. Well, is this worth it? Uh, Kelly Ward is quoted famously for saying like, okay, I cut somebody's finger off. Like how willing are they to lose all these limbs to get to where they're going? Yes. Okay, on that then, though, what if the weapon is pulled and the person, again, no training, doesn't have the intent to use it, predator calls their bluff, now the predator has a weapon that was not in the fight before? So you're saying that by actually taking the knife out, you've escalated the situation to your detriment? Uh, I, I didn't say it that well, but yeah, sure, that's what I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say what Randy says. Um, <laughs> then that to the point, you're, you called the bluff and it hasn't worked. 
drop the knife and run. Okay. But you already your, your argument was based off of you couldn't run in the first place. You needed to pull a weapon. So running is not on the table again. I was hoping you'd forgotten that part. Nope. <laughs> I was hoping you'd forgotten that. <laughs> then, basically, you're going to use it, as you said in your argument, but give somebody a stick and they'll just hit somebody with it. Mm-hmm. Do the maximum of damage you can. Right. And I would always say, even if you know nothing, attack the attacking arm. Again, going for the carotid artery or any other artery does not work to stop a fight. The Hollywood, they have this impression. Mike has done a whole bunch of studies. He's got a great book out on it. Uh, Fairbairn said it would take, you know, he was teaching people that in the Second World War, if you actually stab somebody in the carotid artery, they'd bleed out in like 14 seconds or 30 seconds. Yep, I can't remember the exact number. Yep. But the reality is, even with the carotid artery, the heart rate's at something like 220 beats per minute. I think it's like a minute and 14, a minute and 30 seconds that somebody can actually still fight all out with the carotid artery actually spurting yes a committed attacker probably when you realize their carotid or femoral artery is cut that's why we always teach tendons for the forearm yep. bicep tricep and quad yeah mechanical breakdown makes sense we're down to 30 seconds so i just want to say oh that was awesome um Final statement, I guess. Paul, I'm going to do mine real quick and I'll let you do yours and then we'll call yeah. this. Final statement is, I think there are better tools out there than a knife. A knife sounds like it'll get you into more trouble than it'll get you out of if you don't know what you're doing. Paul. And the question was, is a knife a good self-defense tool? I think yes. it is. Yeah. But I also agree with you. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So we're done. The time is over. Awesome. So here's what happens next, listeners. That was a that was a fantastic debate, Paul. That was super fun. And that's the whole premise of the show is you had me on some points that we'll talk about in final thoughts. But before we get that, let's end the free portion of the show, which is available everywhere. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you want to consume this, consume this. Clearly, you're already consuming it somewhere. I feel like I'm advertising people already got this. But grab this wherever you want. Share this video. Paul, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, basically, you can find my website, uh, Highlander Protective Solutions. Uh, I'm out there on the internet. Uh, if anyone wants to train with uh, Marshall Blade Concepts, as myself and Rhonda Lent, uh, we teach Marshall Blade Concepts in Edmonton, and she has a weekly class that she runs. Uh, but they can hit me up on Highlander Protective Solutions online. It has my email address and phone number, and people can email me and ask me any questions they want. Awesome. Highlander Protective Solutions. And what was the book? that you were uh, citing. What's Michael Yanish's book called? Because I think I want to get that. Because I'm still using the old Fairbanks and Sykes uh, timetable of death. So what is uh, it? I think it's Anatomy of a Anatomy of a Knife Attack. I'll actually, what I'll do is I'll take a picture of it and send it to you so you can put it out there. Awesome. Anatomy of a Knife Fight. Awesome. So I'm going to write that down because I want to see that. Awesome. All right, everybody. That ends the free portion of the show. So here's what happens next. If you want to hear final thoughts, me and Paul are still going to keep discussing, but now we stop discussing in the debate format and we start talking about what we learned from this conversation. So one of the things we'll talk about is one of my segments in the final thoughts is when did you feel like you were on the ropes? There's a couple of times Paul had me on the ropes. I feel there's a couple of times I had him on the ropes. So we're going to talk about all of that. Also, if you want to hear our actual thoughts on these topics, on what we, we intrinsically believe, you're going to find that on final thoughts on Patreon slash Randy King Live at the $5 level. So feel free to jump on there. Um, there's a bunch of stuff. I have video. I have soft skills, hard skills plus bonus content from this show and talking to savages. Thank you so much for listening to the Randy King Live